welcome back to the A's and D's podcast. So today we're going to be discussing coming of age. Um, that infamous period where you're transitioning from teenhood into adulthood and all the feelings that come with it, like the idea of growing up, moving from one part of your life to the next. Like, And um, in terms of, well, what I understood it to be in our curriculum was Catcher in the Rye, like Holden Caulfield, tons of teen angst, but that wasn't necessarily our experience. So I want to pose a question to the group. Um, if you look back, I guess, before you were coming of age, how did you identify yourself and what was important to you back then, ladies? Um, in terms of identifying myself, um, when I was younger, I'll probably say, I didn't really, as I didn't want to associate myself with anything that had to do with uh, being Ugandan. Um, obviously, like back in high school, when um, being Jamaican was so cool, and we all wanted to be Jamaican, we slicked back our hair and stuff like that. Um, and wear conferences. Yeah, <laughs> that too. Um, so you didn't really want to like, you weren't proud to like tell people that, oh, I'm Ugandan and stuff. So um, I tried to do everything that I could to like imitate jamaicans and like just try to be like them which is actually quite sad because you're thinking where did that come from um why was i doing that at such a young age when i should be embracing more of the where i'm from and especially where i had just come from uganda you would think that you'd want a bit more of that but i literally did not want anything to do with it yeah i'm actually exactly like you Docus. um i don't even know if it was it was being ugandan but it was also like my black identity it's like I kind of was just like, oh, I'm just a person and I like these things, I like these bands. But it's like I didn't really connect myself to that at all. Like I would never talk about it. I would never be like, in conversations I'm always like, yeah, but I'm a black female, so it's coming from a different perspective. But I didn't acknowledge that at all then. I just thought maybe maybe lightly feminism, but even then my understanding was so skewed. Even like my understanding of being Ugandan, it's like I thought that was my parents thing. I was like, oh, they're making me go to Ugandan church. It's like, I'm doing them a favour by being in the community. I actually felt like that. Like, I went last week, so... Uh, I was Ugandan last week. Like, <laughs> <laughs> today I'm not. Yeah, like, I've done enough. Which is it's really sad. I don't know what it is about society that makes you, like, strip that way. Yeah, it's really strange that we start thinking like that when we're at such a young age. Um, like, I'm just thinking, where does that come from? Like, is it from things that we've seen? Is it conversations that people are having around us type of thing? Well, I definitely agree with you two in terms of my experience definitely is like it was out of body i wasn't acknowledging who i was um but as you said it's what we see it didn't help that you know the idea of teenhood was uh breakfast club and like that's you being a teenager and you're like what character in breakfast club represents me <laughs> but somehow i had such an affinity to that film pretty in pink um all of those things like even when i mentioned the curriculum and holden caulfield like he was the ultimate teen another like white male like these kids who do not have our experience at all and that's what we're told being a teenager is so i guess if you don't identify with that you're yeah you're not fitting in in some way and to identify with that you have to reject a bit of what you actually are um that's the way i'd see it. i guess that's how we were relating at the time also i think in terms of my identity i acknowledge myself in the social groups i was given in, in secondary school so it's like me and my friends were the misfits we didn't quite fit in we were of like mixed heritage we liked indie bands, so my identity was very strongly related to that group that I was, it was kind of put on me, so I decided, okay, it's fine, I'll be a misfit, I don't fit anywhere anyway, um, 
And that's how I saw myself at that time, if I think of my identity. Well, I echo everything that you guys have said. And um, I did acknowledge that I was black, um, but the people I hang, hanged around with were all Jamaicans, Caribbeans of some sort. So it's not that I wanted to be Jamaican, but I didn't tell him I was Ugandan. It's not something that we spoke about, whereas they were very proudly Caribbean. You know, their music was on the scene. So it was like, yeah, it was a great time to be a Caribbean within then. But yeah, I, did, I just didn't think they needed to know I was Ugandan. I mean, I'm sure they knew I was African, but they just didn't know, need to know the ins and outs of it. And the other thing is I wanted to be British as well. I didn't want anyone to even have any inkling that I grew up or was born in Uganda. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, like, hearing how you guys identified, because I feel like mine's actually might be a little bit different. Um, when I was in Uganda, I just <laughs> remember this. When I was in Uganda in boarding school, um, like, I don't think I ever thought about the fact that I was black um, and everyone around me was black. But there were there were some friends that I had that were Asian and they had like really long hair, fair skin. And I feel like when I was younger, I admired that and I preferred to have the longer hair and the fairer skin. Um, obviously, at the time, you don't think about, um, you know, how deep that actually goes um but thinking back I'm like wait what like why didn't I just appreciate my own skin um when I was you know when I was much younger and I don't know just and when you're that young you have to wonder like where is that coming from is it from the media is it the stuff that you're watching on tv and why in your little mind you think that that looks better why does flowing straight hair look so much nicer in comparison to your you know tough yeah because we were in school i was probably around like what 11 10 12 years old and i knew that I distinctively remember that I I envied their hair so much, but that's because maybe I didn't have any hair because they used to shave our heads in boarding school. Um, and I thought having hair just looked a lot better. And I feel like I struggled a little bit with why they had lo- longer hair and I didn't. And obviously when we moved to the UK and I had um, friends who were Mauritian so you know they, they had first again fair skin like really nice curly long black hair and I remember in school they called me a lesbian for one day um I think I must have been just brushing my friend's hair and I got called a lesbian for it like oh she must like <laughs> and it was just the most bizarre thing but when you have those type of experiences I, th- I think I struggle to where do I actually fit yeah so let's dig deeper into this concept of identity within the labels that we understood when we were younger, again, we mentioned being Ugandan, being British, and which identity was more acceptable. Um, Why do you think that is? I remember like, when I was, yeah, I think around the same age when we just came into the UK, or maybe up until like 15 years old, whenever you had to fill in a form, and obviously you have to put down what your race is. I struggled for a long time to understand the differences between race and ethnicity. And for a very long time, I thought being British was my ethnicity Mm. and being black was, I mean, yeah, being black was my race, but I I would never say, Oh, you know, I'm Ugandan. It would always, I was when I put down on the paper, I am British. Um, 
yeah, I and mean, I'm I'm just trying to figure out where all of this actually just stems from. Why I wouldn't just put on my piece of paper whatever I was feeling in that I am actually African. This this is my ethnicity because did it's you, not an option. Yeah. Did you think? Oh, do you think no, you, no, no? Do you think you thought British because you have a British passport? No, it, it, no, it's just not. I wouldn't want to put down as you know I'm Black African or whatever. Well, you're oh, saying it's I not an option. It is an option. It is. Oh, there were more limited options back then. I think they, yeah. they've expanded them a lot, like black British, black African mm. descent. Like before it was almost like black, white, brown. No, but mm. what Dana is saying is that she would have ticked British. Like at the time they still had the black African thing. Yeah. But she would tick British. It's because that you're trying to fit in so much, um, and, but you're always sticking out. Why would you then point out the thing that makes you stick out? Mm. You're not going to be like, I'm yeah. Ugandan guys. Like you're not. You wouldn't tick it, even in yourself, which is sad. In yourself alone, when you're ticking a box, you're still like British. Exactly. <laughs> that goes back to the labels and which one is more acceptable. You this pick the most acceptable one. Sorry. No, this actually reminds me of um, one of my. Actually, I don't think they are my friends, but someone that we, <laughs> someone that we used to live with, and um, basically because his grandparents are from were born here, um, his parents were born here. He was born here. He's British. He's not black. Literally, I'm like... What? Well, he's not black? He's lost. Have, you, have you checked your skin color? <laughs> <laughs> if they had to ship you back, they would ship you back somewhere. Mm-hmm. But um, every single time you'd ask him, where are you from? He'd say, like, I'm, I'm British. I'm British. I'm here. My parents were born here. My um, grandparents were born here, so I'm British. Like, he wouldn't acknowledge that he's actually Nigerian. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you have a Nigerian name. <laughs> but, but literally, like, he would just not say anything about being nigerian he's british that's it that's that really a lot about how deeply entrenched like what british colonization did to everyone around the world like even you having those experiences whilst in uganda then moving to england dana and then feel still feeling that way like wow they did a number on us they really did <laughs> i think the fact that your friend's defensive as well like it's almost an argument he has to give all his reasons why he's british like and he knows that people won't he won't come across british that's why he has to like spew out all that stuff I yeah, wonder. really, really sad. Also, we shouldn't be proud of being British. British people are awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Do you think when you look... Okay, I know looking back, definitely we didn't understand that we were having an identity crisis. But now when you look at it, would you say that's what was happening? Possibly. Yeah, because now I know wh- who I am. Um, Back in the day, you could never... You wouldn't put it in words that I am actually black i am ugandan but i am also actually british you would never put it up in you would never be able to identify that because you didn't know what it was um so you you were constantly in a loop uh, of an identity crisis yeah i think also as we've grown we've sort of embraced being ugandan a bit more Mm. like we now want to do more not that okay maybe we didn't um, we're now we now we want to do more Ugandan things, be a part of the Ugandan community, do more events with Ugandans and sort of collaborations with Ugandans. We're now embracing it a bit more, which is um I guess it's a, it's taken us a bit of time to get here, but at least it's a good step that we we move forward. Yeah, definitely. I think the idea of Britishness makes you look at your past and want to leave it behind. Mm. But I think once, well, we got the passports. But <laughs> um, I think once you, we took the time to really look at who we were and like how much Britishness brings to our life, you kind of turn around again and go, actually, mm. my roots are what make mm-hmm. yeah. me the person I am today. 
even if you wanted to, you can't put it in the past. It's on your face. Exactly. <laughs> like, you can't, even if you decide, like, that Nigerian guy, oh, you're British, good luck. Like, it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I agree. I was completely having an identity crisis. Um, like, I was even defensive to this extent where it's like, when people were asking me about, because obviously they noticed I can't be from this country, mm. um, asking mm. me about that stuff, I went so British. So I'd always be like, um, actually, I don't eat that. Actually, mm. I, I have pasta as well. Mm. I used to even like not entertain any of those conversations about my difference at all. Sometimes mm. people were just asking. Mm. But I was completely, I was like, you know what I'm like. You know my personality. <laughs> so mm. why are you trying to get into this other thing? And it's like, that is, that is me. They're trying to understand who I am. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I also, I also, in relation to that, sorry, I remember that feeling of like defensiveness and looking at another black person like they were my enemy. It was, mm-hmm. it's such a confusing thing. I remember thinking, don't look at me like we're not the same. <laughs> like, you know, when you'd be walking past someone else of color and they're giving mm-hmm. you that look, they're saying, I get you, I know where you're from. Mm-hmm. I used to hate that. And like, if I'm with a group of friends and I, that happens to me, I will look away. I will find a spot on, in the clouds to stare at rather than make eye contact with them because it's like, you're clarifying something that I'm not ready to deal with. Mm. And I feel so ashamed of that to this day because I'm like, that person's just trying to relate and you mm. do look like them. So yeah. why are they your enemy? Why are you pissed at them for doing that? Also, you would have smiled at like a white or an Asian person doing that same thing. Do you think the type of school you went to had a part to play in this? Because I didn't feel this way. I felt like I loved being around black people because I am black. I recognize I'm black, but it's just the other part. Just my ethnicity is the Mm. only thing I didn't embrace. But I embrace being black because this is what I know. These are the people I play netball with. This is my team. Do you get what I mean? So for Mm. me, I I was more closer to black people than anything. And it was a mixed school but we had more white people than black yeah. but then i was finding the black people you know what i, I mean think, i think school. when it comes to our school um being black was actually quite cool like um the white people sort of looked up to like the black people and stuff so i can see why you probably were more mm. um into sort of your race that that's what i'm saying when Anne says miss nalukenga says that you know she didn't really want another passing black person acknowledging her is that to do with the school you went to i think it's, it is i probably that is a part of it um and i was socialized in a way where i got here at six i had no hair so everything stood out mm. and the constant battle was trying to deflect mm. all the things i was told from six years old mm. and my hair took ages to grow by the time mm. I could even pretend I wasn't black with a tiny little hair. <laughs> I, was like, it was, I was in secondary school. So then in my head, I've worked so hard and now finally I'm not being seen as mm. black. So then I got quite defensive of that because mm. I thought I was getting bullied a lot. So I didn't want that feeling again. And being I was being bullied about my race and mm. where I'm from and my short hair. So anything that got me back to those emotions, I'd reject it. And mm. at that point in my life, it was other black people yeah um i think i can relate to what miss nalukenge is saying because um i think the worst thought that i used to have was um hearing another black person talk that has got an accent and i'm like um but you also have one <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you doing, are you doing? Mm. but i would just like not want to listen you know when you feel like oh my god stop talking type mm. of thing but mm. i'm like you should be, I should have been more understanding in terms of like mm. what they're going through or when another black person that's also like as you mentioned with no hair they've just started they're being bullied I'm like I literally would just run away from the situation mm-hmm. I don't want to be a part of it mm. but that should have been the point at which 
I'm sort of like try to help them and try to be more understanding in terms mm. of what they're going through because obviously I went through it. Mm. But once you start to sort of like disassociate yourself from like mm. being black and like uh, being Ugandan, then you just mm. don't want anything else that's familiar to do to do with that. Yeah, completely. I uh, completely um, can relate to what you said about you know accents, um, and you know growing up. Be, the thing is that being black wasn't associated with um i don't know good behavior like you know the black people were the ones who misbehaved in school or the you know they're the thieves of the shoplifters mm. so of course you didn't want to be black um because you're then put into this cut category of people who are already you know negative or whatever you know they, are, they have a, a negative association with them um but I, I, I remember that I didn't want to have an accent. And I feel like maybe I, I worked really hard to lose my Ugandan accent. And it's kind of sad because you're a child and you shouldn't have to deal with, you know, this type of issues. But, you know, the society around you has programmed the, the way you live your life like that which is which is kind of kind of sad really okay. but the accent thing i can definitely yeah, relate cause... i agree with the accent thing um but it's funny now i'm scra like scraping just trying it's polish up my luganda <laughs> it's it's weird back then i don't want to talk luganda do you get what i mean pretend i don't even know it mm. but now i'm just scraping like just trying to make sure that you know i remember the language i can speak it and i don't get called out for like grammatical error or whatever yeah, it actually goes so full circle. Like, I'm trying to learn. Yeah. It's so much better. Before, I was like, Mum, don't speak Luganda on the bus. Like, this is so embarrassing. People will remember that we're black. Um. <laughs> the accent thing you mentioned, Dana, I had that the opposite way because I tried my very best to um, put on the most well-spoken English accent. And it's obviously I've gotten here now. Mm. But from six years old, I was like, I have to talk like that. And I've got mm. really good at English language. And I was like, I have to learn their history and then I will be like them. If I speak mm. like them, somehow they won't know I'm black. Um, yeah. But yeah, then That's... full circle now. It's yeah. It's like I'm the most proud of. Now I'd rather know my own language. Mm. I get embarrassed that I don't or can't understand yeah. my cousins. Yeah. I can't communicate. Yeah. That sounds the same as Dana though. You said yeah. it's the opposite, it's the but same it's the thing. same. It's exactly the same. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to that point. But um, <laughs> I think I had a completely different thing though with, you know, you said the schools play a part. Mm. in why you think you were like this mm. i actually grew up in my primary school was quite mixed mm. um but then it was like still black people were still the minority there were loads of different ethnicities and people who were like um immigrants and stuff coming to school but it was still so weak it like mirrored the population so it was like i was one of three black girls in the class Fine. who i didn't relate to mm. um for whatever reason i wasn't doing that purposefully but mm. um then i grew up not not knowing it no one pointed out it was never a thing. Mm. So then I continued my life like that. And then when I saw people banding together, um, like a, a girl group of just black girls, mm. it's like, and they were maybe seeking out other black girls. That's mm. not a problem. But it's like, I felt like that was a problem. Like, why do you have to just hang out with mm. black girls? And I was like, I'm friends with everybody. Like mm. I, as if that was a personality type or and as if it would be <laughs> negative mm. for black people to hang out with each other. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't need to separate yourselves. I was mm. really, really on that. Which I look back and I'm just like, what was going on? Why mm. Why did I feel so strongly that they were hanging out? It's mm. nothing to do with me. Mm. You actually like the people in this group, so what is your problem? Yeah. Mm. yeah. We did go back to Dana's point where um, being a group of black people together is seen as a negative thing. Yeah. That they're probably there to cause trouble. Mm -hmm. trouble so you probably were thinking about that, that 
Is that why they all want to be together? So they kind of just like... <laughs> Cause trouble. Yeah, the stereotype of being loud. It's like, even I fell into that. I am so loud and I've always been loud. Mm. But then I was looking at them like, oh, you don't fit in with what society's saying, blah, blah, blah. Oh my God, like, mm. calm down. Like, yeah. why are you shouting about your hair? Like, stop. Mm. Yeah. Like, even remember what our parents used to say to us. Yeah. Don't get to the top of the bus, there's loads of black people. I'm yeah. black too. Yeah. Or we're not going to send you to that school. There's too many black kids. Yeah. Like, it's so, yeah, it's so sinister uh, that everyone I, feels this way. I literally got moved from my old school to another school because there was too many black, black people. <laughs> my, I got stopped from going to a certain college because there was too many black people yeah. there. I had to go to another one because of yeah. the area. Imagine, that's coming from your parents. So yes. You yes. are a black person. So it actually blows my mind. You're yes. running away from yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but then that goes to show do our parents have an identity crisis? A too. bit. Yeah, they must yeah. do. They're, like us. They're human as well. They're dealing with the exact same situation. Exactly. And they've also had the whole society thing, like brainwashing them, literally. Yeah. Uh, the media and everything. So they know it to them also to say, oh, black people, you know, they cause a lot of trouble, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. They've been brainwashed. But do you guys take a step back? This might be very controversial. <laughs> do you guys take a step back and think, is it true? No, it's not true. Well, no, it's no, not true. It's not true. It's, not true. it's what it's gets out. Racism it's racism, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right racism. Um, white people cause trouble. They do it all 100%. the time, but you don't hear about Slavery. it. Slavery. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> That's the trouble they started. Donald Trump okay? is constant trouble. <laughs> so no, you just I don't just, hear of it. I can sort of see where um, when that sentence sort of stems from that black people do cause trouble because racism. What you're saying on TV is um, oh, black people black causing trouble. A black person's done that. Black yeah, but that's, that's the that. point of the media to, to so be they, devi- de- mm. divisive to divide us and if they show the same stuff and white people are angels, black people are not, even like everything black associated, it's like black magic. Mm. And then it's like the white saint. Every, you can just, it's so, it's in everything. Mm. So of course you think it and it's made for you to believe that. Yeah, yeah. I they do it on purpose, the news. Mm. They do it on purpose. I guess over time, once you keep saying the same thing, then you yeah. start believing that it maybe it is true. Yeah. But when it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the question that I had was more in, re- in terms of food. Like, for example, how um, Ida said that um, she didn't want, basically, um, when it came to school, she didn't want, like, when your mom was, tell- when she was loud on the bus and you're telling her not to be um, too loud because she's black. So when you brought your friends over uh, <laughs> at home, what if she cooked matoke? <laughs> matoke, <laughs> how would you explain that? Interesting question, Dockers. Um, I planned ahead. I was not about to have that situation occur. I could not handle that. So I always knew, I was like, if anything, like, the furthest we'd ever get is chapati. Even that, I was like, allow it. I had to pre-plan with mum. And if someone was going to come over, I looked at her and she knew that this is not the time. This is not the time. Just potatoes, mum. Yeah. <laughs> I wish potatoes. potatoes. Mm-hmm. Or fish and chips. Yeah. <laughs> and I think she she knew the real, she knew the social rules as well. She didn't try and, she never tried to penetrate that situation and make it like, I'm going to make whatever I'm making. She knew. Mm. Mm. I was going to say, the mad thing is that when you went over to some of your friends who were White's house, you didn't actually like the food. <laughs> I know. You're hiding the food that you actually like. Yeah. And you're like going over to someone, no seasoning, and you're pretending you like it and then kind of making your mum make something as bland as possible for mm. that palate, even though you hate it. Mm. I mean, not as bland as possible, just like food that's acceptable to English yeah. people. Because mm. yeah. she would have made that food anyway and it still had seasoning. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Let me not diss mum's food on the mic. Right. <laughs> it's never, ever been bland. <laughs> I feel like the younger generation, so maybe like kids who are from 18 or even their 20s now, um, downwards, 
they're really proud to be Ugandan and they've been that way since secondary school, primary school, like to the point where it's like, it's so embedded in their identity that when you meet them, that's one of the first things they say. They would never talk about like, I have this job. They're like, oh, I'm from Uganda. We didn't have that and I don't understand what the difference is. We have the same parents. My younger brothers have the same thing and I don't get where, why our generation was lost with that. I don't know. The only thing I can say is maybe perhaps because we grew up in Uganda for a little while and were brought over here. I don't know if it's that because they were born here. So if they're going to Uganda, it's a luxury, it's a holiday. Do you get what I mean? But whereas we were there, like living there. Mm. I don't know. That's the only difference I can see. But yeah. I was I was born in Uganda, but then I didn't grow up there in any way. And all the people I meet, like even my age, who are like Nigerian or like Mexican, mm. they have the same thing. They were not proud. They didn't yeah. say it. And but, I don't know. I, I don't understand what, what's happened because I, I didn't have the experience of growing up in Uganda and it didn't change. I think it could be generational. Like we're in a more social media generation. And if you see it, everyone's like being proud, body positive, like mm. be proud of where you're from. Like we didn't have those messages online. That's actually we didn't very even have true. online. So that wasn't a thing. Yeah. You just had the interactions you had in school. I think when you look out into the world and you can be online and see someone's like me and that is cool and that's okay. Mm. Um, there's a little bit of less self hate. That's the one thing I would say because mm. like if you're only stuck in a small community, you go to this specific school, everyone treats you this way, and they're all sheep, so they're gonna bully you because of this one thing that everyone doesn't like. Mm. There's no way to compare and see that it could be positive. I think music has also played a big part in that, in terms of like embracing where you're from. Because obviously, where we've now got Afrobeats being more upstream and people are listening to it more, people are more understanding. So now people, we feel more comfortable to tell people where we're from. Mm. Um, yeah. I actually, I think in my experience, I feel like I didn't shout about being Ugandan when I was younger because, first of all, I'm leaving the country where I'm from, I wanted to escape it, get away from it and come to the UK. Do you know what I mean? So why would I then shout about being somewhere where I've just basically thinking I've escaped it now, I'm in a better place. I, I would not, it, it wouldn't make sense for me to identify as Ugandan or even shout about it because I'm now in this nice fantasy, <laughs> like this nice place that I've always wanted to be in. Whereas they've always been in this nice place. Yeah, they have nothing to compare to. So it is cool to be Ugandan now and to talk about it and, you know, to be very proud of where you're from. But when I feel like when you've grown up and all you ever thought about is I want to go to the UK, it can be a little tricky to then turn around and say, now that I'm in the UK, oh, it's so cool to be Ugandan. No, I've always wanted to be in the UK. So now I am British, I'm here. (laughs) Um, But yeah, obviously now in my adult age like come on you we, we've been educated and you can appreciate where you're from for various reasons which you, like miss nalkenga said it could be the media um it could be music you know all those things are cool now and they're socially acceptable to be to be african is acceptable now mm. uh, i i had never been to uganda but i didn't even really want to go <laughs> uh, so like i i lived it the whole time and then when it came up that we we're going to i think the first time i went to uganda i was like maybe 15, it was right before sixth form, 15 or 16. But it's like, I wasn't bothered. It, it always felt like my mum's issue. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, oh, I wanna do that. Actually, that would be nice. It would be nice to meet my 
grandparents. Like, mm. what? Mm. I find it really strange. And, like, I, when I look back on myself, I don't recognise myself now. Yeah. Mm. I find that really... I'm like, who is, like, what was going on? Who is that person? Because I'm so... Di- like, how I see myself is so different. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It didn't help that, well... I was kind of ashamed of going to Uganda, but it didn't help that on the TV in the UK, you think you're going to meet little pot-bellied naked kids mm-hmm. with flies in their eyes. And like, that's the constant <laughs> idea I have in Africa. <laughs> and somehow I was disconnected from that, even though I was African. Yeah. I was like, when I go there, they'll just be at the airport. I don't know why they're waiting for me. But <laughs> just there, also, you came from money. that airport. <laughs> Did you have flies in your eyes? <laughs> was that you? <laughs> mad. I really, I, I, I was sold that idea of being African and that's what I didn't want to be. Mm. So I just completely decided I wasn't. I made it up. I'm not not African. It's mad that even though we all grew up differently, we still felt like we didn't want to be African. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Like, even though I didn't feel, you know, I had no feelings about going back to Uganda. I just know, I I just wanted to see my cousins because I grew up with them. But I still didn't want to be, like, if I went there, I'm not going to speak Luganda. I'm going to speak mm. English so you know I'm coming from the UK. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Mm. So. Mm. It all goes back to the media. That's it. It's what we, what's sort of been put in, our, what we see and what's been put in our brains type of thing. I think yeah. it even goes back further than that to slavery, to that whole structure. Mm. Of like white is more important and it, it's gone around the world. Like it's before the media, before, mm. like before newspapers. Yeah. Like that idea... And then you birth kids and you tell them the same idea. You're superior, you're inferior. So obviously being in the UK, a white country, that's superior. That's mm. where you want to be. Mm. That's who you want to look like. So yeah, much mm. further back than media. I, I kind of feel sorry for our parents now that I think about it. Because when we're younger, all they wanted is to integrate us in you know, this Ugandan community. Like Ida said, you know, going to Ugandan church, going to Ugandan community events. Um, and they wanted us to be so part of it and we just rebelled every time. We just don't want to be associated with it. And now looking back, I, they were just preparing us for, you know, the real world. This is who you are. Um, it's, it's such a shame that we just rejected it when we were younger. Mm. I, I, I feel really sad because it's like, in a way, because they're Ugandan, grew up in Uganda, we're rejecting them. Everything yeah, that they wanted, yeah. that showing us, showing us what they had and what they like and you know, their traditions, we were like, even the fact that I'm saying there, it's ours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, exactly. it, we were rejecting all of that, everything that makes them. Yeah. We were like, nah, you're embarrassing me. And mm. then to, to top it off, we're teenagers, so we're rejecting hanging out with our parents anyway. Yeah. So it's like, I hate you because of these things I've seen on TV and I should mm. hate you, yeah? Mm. And then also, everything that you are, being a and your accent, your, like, mm-hmm. everything, we're just completely rejecting them. Yeah. it's crazy that right now like when i meet another like i think of us as special like when i meet another ugandan i'm like this is amazing do you get what i mean Mm. but back then no i'm not seeking out ugandans (laughs) like i'll hear somebody on the bus speaking uganda and sit silently like (laughs) i don't know who they are but (laughs) whereas now i'm like oh i'm eavesdropping like yeah exciting and even when you're someone you're like oh that person's definitely ugandan (laughs) you want them to know that you're ugandan too but but I love hearing that because that just shows growth. And it's yeah. just, we're just a, a product of our environment, but we've even powered through that and yeah. found a way to find ourselves. Yeah. So I guess what's important to us has changed, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, like in your life plan though, like we haven't talked about that very much, mm. but like what you thought you were going to be 
Yeah. How do you feel like that's changed, guys? Well, I for starters wanted to be a lawyer, so. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, society put me down. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was so, saying. So I don't know if it's something that's changed, but or or it was sort of forced upon me to sort of make the change type of thing. I didn't really know what I wanted to be or wanted to do career-wise. This is what I'm talking about. Um, but I guess I just had to try the subject and then know I like it kind of thing. Mm. Um, so psychologists don't do that. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> anyone out there talking about doing psychology, unless you have a PhD or you know someone in the education system, don't do it. Um, unfortunately, we are going to be disadvantaged as a black person. Yeah. Um, hate to say that. But um, yeah, psychology, society let me down. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> You're in an so amazing job down. now. Um, I think growing up, uh, what do I think? I know. Growing up, um, I believe all, you know, our, parent, our parents are nurses. Everyone around us that a parent was a nurse or, you know, a doctor or whatever. And I remember my mom really wanted us to also study nursing and that's that's all she wanted us to aspire to be and I just didn't want that I knew for a fact I definitely didn't want that because everyone around me was a nurse and the Ugandan and a nurse and I'm just like hell no I don't want to <laughs> be associated <laughs> with that um and I'm glad I to some if I put my hand up I say I'm glad because what I want to do now is exactly what I've always I don't know if what I'm trying to say makes sense. It's, always, it's exactly what I've always wanted to do. And that passion is there and it is alive, even though it meant rejecting who my mother was or what she wanted us to be or, you know, the community, who they were. I feel like you didn't really reject um, what she, basically she was. You just decided to choose your own sort of path and you just had a yeah. different passion. And but that's because everyone was just nurses and Ugandans. No, I didn't want that. <laughs> I knew I didn't want that. I really respect how self-assured you were, Dana. I didn't have that. I think I was fed the go down this road. First and foremost, definitely have to get a degree. There's mm. no, You won't have a life mm. if you don't get a degree, mm. which I don't believe now at all. I wouldn't advise my siblings or cousins yep. the same. There's definitely a lot of other paths. Um, I was fed the doctor, lawyer, generic career dream because as a person of colour, if you don't do those things, you're definitely going to fail. Absolutely. Like all yeah. of those things that drove my subjects. I remember I loved mm. learning about history. My dad just looked at me like, what money are you going to make with history? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then I decided... Where's history taking you? I blinked overnight, <laughs> I'm going to become a lawyer. Did I really want to? No. Mm. And it shows to this day. Because I'm not a lawyer. Thanks. <laughs> um, but I respect that because I didn't have that. Um, and to some degree, I'm caught up in a job I... I'm in now because of the skills I picked up. Yeah. But not necessarily because I thought about my passion or I even mm. had the space to think about my passion. I thought about survival and uh, looking a certain way and aspiring to people who were in that position who are mostly white. Mm. Yeah. I definitely had the same thing in terms of wanting to be a lawyer, like similar to what Ms. Malcolm just said. Actually, guys, sorry, I think I phrased that question wrong. Mm. Um, I was actually talking about like um, what you thought your life would look like. Like at this age, would you have a kid? Would you be married? Would you have moved to another country with these professions, like as a lawyer? Mm. Like, what did you think it meant to be an adult? I think I got it completely wrong. Yeah. And the worst thing is, I was passionate in my wrong belief. So it's like I thought I was a feminist, but then I also thought. I could never be a housewife. Like, the idea of me staying at home. It's, it's almost like I looked up down on it a bit, 
even though I was like, it's okay, I looked down on that as a path. Now I'm like, give it to me. <laughs> give that to me. I've had it. I don't want to work. I'd be so content, actually, yeah. in just being at home. Yeah. But um, I could never have imagined myself to feel that way when I was younger. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought I thought you had to like almost like first of all I thought thirty was super old. Yeah. Like at that point, like I've had my last kid and mm. you know I'm winding down. Now I'm like, <laughs> no, it's young. That's when I start living. Mm. Yeah, I think I agree with you, Ida, on the point about housewives um, looking down on them because I would watch all these TV shows and obviously they're trash TV. So I would just be thinking, they actually don't even have jobs. All you do is get up and try sort of sort out the house. So I can see why like I would have I was looking down on them too as well. Um, but I think in terms of what I thought my life would be like would was um, at 25, I'd have my first kid, I'll have my own mortgage, I'll be married. Um, why? <laughs> why am I thinking about all these things at 25? And why is 25 the mark where all these mm-hmm. things need to happen? And um, anything above that was not acceptable. I literally was at 25, I need to have my house, I need to have my first kid, I need to be married. Like everything was already planned out. But obviously, as you all know, that's not happened. <laughs> I think we can all agree that 25 was the age everyone was thinking, oh, yeah, I need to be married, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't even think about mortgage. I just thought I'd live in this house and someone would be paying for it. <laughs> I never thought it would be called a mortgage. Do you get what I mean? So I, I think this is, uh, just to digress a little bit, this might be one of the things I need to teach my kids about mortgages and things like that, just because I didn't even know that was something that, we need like in order to buy a house it's called a mortgage and this is what you do da, 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 da. at that young age i didn't know but then if yeah. you look at it we didn't even know about rent we didn't really acknowledge what yeah. our parents were doing mm. how the house was the house of roof was staying over our head. <laughs> <laughs> but i do agree we knew they were working so i guess that idea of uh housewives i was like that's not a thing my mom's not that she's out doing night shifts Mm-hmm. And I think if that's your role model, there's no way you're going to be looking at a housewife like, yeah, that's what I want to be. Although I agree with you, Ida. If I could retire right now, Me that would be <laughs> what I'd want. Um, but looking back, I saw myself as someone who's going to like have a job, get married, settle down, um, have kids as well, like my parents did. Um, and oddly, because of the social group I was in, I... And the fact that all the girls were only getting with white boys, I saw myself as someone white because that's... Thank you. That's interesting. Yeah, that's all I saw, like, in who was fanciable, who was popular, hmm. and, like, who the other girls were trying to get with, like, some of the house parties we went to. So I was just like, okay, well, even though my everyone in my family, they're all black, like, mostly. <laughs> um, I just couldn't picture that for some reason. Somehow in my head, I got that into my head. I was like, oh, maybe hmm. I have a mixed race child. Um, and I was like, why am I thinking like this? Like, I look back on that and I'm like, that is wild. Yeah. I never ever saw myself with a white man for a minute, which is funny because the person I fancied the most when I was in primary school was a white boy. But then I went to secondary school and everything just changed. I was black and that was it. They just knocked mm. that out. They knocked that out. They knocked him out. They made me forget about him and that was it. But I never, not for one second. And maybe that's it shows in my dating history. It's been black people. But I'm not saying there's anything wrong with white people. It's just preference. Yeah, yeah, totally get that. I think I didn't have a face. I didn't care about the other person and who they were going to be. Mm. Um, it was more about what, how I saw myself. And even the weird thing with the housing, I knew what a mortgage was. But I still thought, I didn't think of a plan to work up to get a house 
or how I was going to pay the mortgage. It's like I thought when I turned 25 or 26, someone's going to hand me the house and I go past that bit. It was done. I have my kids now. My kids look like whatever. It's a classic <laughs> case of expectation versus reality. Yeah, literally. Dramatic case. I was twerking in a club when I was 25. I was not doing that. No, I agree with you, Ida. I actually didn't have a vision in terms of how am I going to afford this house? Like, where is it going to come from? But for some reason, I didn't even know who I was going to marry. But for some reason, I had this whole planned out. I'm going to meet someone at uni. For some reason, uni was a place that... I everybody. thought it was uni yeah. as well. They said that. Though. Everyone says if you don't meet... Love of my life at uni. Yes. And I'm done for. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually... Now that you brought that up, I actually remember it clearly. People used to say that a lot. Mm. And I think I, when I left uni, I was like, uh, okay. Yes, yeah, There's no one here. Like, now it. what? <laughs> I guess I'm going to be single. That's what you were thinking, <laughs> but that is not true. And it's weird the obsession with marriage back then, because now I look at it and I'm like, I do not need to get married. Mm-hmm. That's not on my list of to do's. There's so many other things like owning a property. At some point, whenever it's going to happen, um, like being content in life, that's become top priority. Like my happiness in myself as I am, not as other people see me. Mm. Um, supersedes yeah. every tangible material thing that I wanted when I was younger. Mm. I'm still on the housewife though. Like I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> what well, you would want? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm ready for as well. Give it up in a heart, heartbeat. I'm, mm. I'm ready to go. <laughs> um, I'm ready to be taken care of. I do think with happiness, it's interesting because it's assumed when you're younger. I don't know. I, when I look back on it, I'm like, was I that happy? But then I assumed when I was an adult, I would be like so happy, glowing in this house <laughs> with these kids. And I didn't even for a second think about how I'd feel in those scenarios. I didn't think, yeah. will I enjoy this? I thought, I will. Yes. But then in the life I was living, I don't know, did I think I was happy? Did I think about <laughs> what happy is? I don't know what was happening. I don't know. I think you don't think about it. Maybe happiness is like going out with your friends and things like that. That time, obviously. But right now, I think if anything stresses me, I'm just like, mm. no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, happiness is definitely being included and being ex- accepted by others, not mm. by yourself so much. And then it flips over as you get older. Mm. And you're happy because you accept yourself or whatever. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Hope you've enjoyed our stories of coming of age and how we've completely turned full circle as adults. And how different that experience is from the movies we saw. And hopefully you can relate. Bye. Bye. Bye.